Um, we're going to do Laodicea next week because I wanted to do a part two on Philadelphia, the love church. So let's just pray and then we'll jump right into this. Lord, we just thank you for the time that we have together and we thank you for your word. We ask you, Lord, to open up the heart of our understanding that we might apply your word to our lives and that it will become wisdom in our hearts and in our hands. Lord, may this day be a day of praise and worship as we acknowledge you and we glorify you, Lord. We exalt you and lift you up. Even though we're virtual, Lord, and we're at home or wherever, Lord, we just ask you that there is still reverence and that there is consecration in our heart and that we are serious and we are, are thinking about this as though we are in your presence, which we are since you are omnipresent. So we ask you, Lord, to give us a mind to focus, to concentrate on hearing your word, receiving your word with eagerness as the saints at Berea did in Acts 17, 11, and doing your word, applying it as it says in James 1, that we should be not just hearers only, but doers of your word. Lord, we ask this day that you be glorified in our lives, in our hearts, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And Lord, may your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Of three things we learned last week. We, we learned, we learned, um, number one, we learned why we're studying the book of Revelation. We're studying it because, A, it's God's word. In 2 Timothy 2, 3, 6, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for learning. So that's, that's one reason we're studying um, Revelation. We're also studying Revelation because we're instructed to do so. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved. And so therefore we're applying that, that study to show ourselves approved unto God. Not unto man. This is not about scholarship. This is not about education. This is not about intelligentsia or being, you know, smart or, you know, academic. That's not the goal here. The goal is to be transformed. The goal is to become like Jesus. Like my mother used to say, little Jesus is, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to become Christ-like. Amen. And then thirdly, we're studying um, Revelation because we know that if we do so, according to chapter one, verse three, we will be blessed by doing this. And just in case we would forget it, the Lord repeated it at the end of the book in Revelation chapters, chapter 22, verse 7, that there's a built-in blessing for those that will, will read and keep the sayings of this prophecy. So we're trying to get blessed. Anybody need a blessing out there? Amen. I, I do. And if your hand didn't go up, please, can you send your blessings my way? I will gladly receive all the blessings from the Lord that that he's willing to give me. So uh, the second thing in our review from last Sunday, we learned that the church at Philadelphia, we learned that when God opens a door 
Nobody can shut it. What a blessing. So you know what? Whatever God is doing in your life, according to Philippians 1, 6, he who have begun a good work in you will complete it. God will get it done. Don't worry about anybody trying to rain on your parade or trying to shut you down or trying to rob you of your blessing or take away from you anything. God has empowered you. God has given you his son. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can do all things, Philippians tells us, through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Satan can try to bend us, but he cannot break us. And if you look at Job chapter 1, it tells us that, that God gave Satan only limited access to Job. He could not do whatever he wants. The enemy cannot dominate us. He cannot control us. He's on a leash. He has limited exposure to us. Amen? He has to go through God's filter, God's permission. He can't just unleash all of Hades on us. Praise God for that. I'm excited about that. I don't have to worry about the devil wiping me out because the devil can't do anything to us other than what God permits him to do. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He's not God. This is not God versus Satan. Satan is a creative being. He's nothing more than an angel. He doesn't have unlimited power. Greater is he that is in you. We have the Son of God in us. We have the Spirit of God in us. The Holy Spirit, the Paracletus, one who comes alongside to help. He is in us to lead us and guide us, to strengthen us, to empower us, to equip us. Amen? Yes, God. Let's not walk around with our face dragging to the ground, all mealy mouth and weak and bent over and with our head in our hands. No way. No way. God has established us as priests and kings. He has given us his son. He has made us a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a set-aside people, a sanctified body of believers. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of the soon and coming king. We are somebody. We have been elevated. He has given us his name. He has given us his identity. He has called us friend and brother. We are no longer an outsider. We are no longer an orphan. We are no longer on the outside looking in. He has grafted us into the body, and we are part of this family of God. Walk in your heritage. Don't live like paupers when we are princes. Don't settle for less when God has given us all things that pertain to righteousness according to 2 Peter. Amen? Amen. Let's just, we, we, we have to accept who we are and live in that light. We, we need to wake up to that, that, that understanding. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything. You know what everything means in the Greek? It means everything. <laughs> he has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who calls us by
And the third and final thing that we learned last week was we learned that a little power goes a long way. <laughs> the church at Philadelphia, the Lord says, you, let me just read the exact quote there in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. It says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept and have kept my word and have not denied my name. By the way, don't be deceived by that phrase, a little power. A little power didn't mean that they were weak. A little power didn't mean that they were lame. A little power didn't mean that they were nothing and nobodies. What he meant by a little power was that they were little in number, small in number. They were little in economic resources or political resources. They didn't have the clout or the might, say, of, you know, the mighty Roman Catholic Church or some great mega powerful Protestant churches today. What he meant was that they were small numerically and small economically compared to other entities and groups around them, but they were powerful and mighty in faith. They were powerful and mighty in strength. They were powerful and mighty in the word of God. Amen. I love that. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I quote this a lot because he talks about, you know, asking the Lord three times if he would take away this, this, this thorn in his flesh, this, 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 this uh, attack from Satan to buffet him. And, uh, and he's asked the Lord uh, on multiple occasions to remove it. And I love the Lord's response over there in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, I am well content with weakness, Paul responds. He says, with insults and with distresses and with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Yes, yes Philadelphia had few numbers, little numbers. We have a small congregation. I like to think of us at, at BBC as the Church of Philadelphia, a church that may be small and economically or small numerically, small in terms of our 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 our, our demographics in, in our community but one thing that we have is that we have the word of god we have the truth of god's word we have the conviction of god's truth and we can be comfortable knowing that though our congregation might be small our faith is big our knowledge of the truth is big yes, yes. Our knowledge yes. and trust in God's power yes. is gigantic. Yes. And our confidence in him that he can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the dunamis that works in us is unlimited. Unlimited. Ephesians 3.20. So don't you feel inferior because of a small church or a small economy or, or a small reach. God has deposited in us his son, the Holy Spirit, who gives us all things pertaining to godliness and righteousness and his work and his abilities are in us. Do not be discouraged. Do not be inferior. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. We will not be the underdogs, not with the King of Kings living in us, not with the Lord of Lords living in us, not with the Alpha and Omega who rules us and is a part of us, not who he who sits on the throne, the beginning, the first and the last, not he's in us and we're going to back down. We're going to take down. We're going to be inferior. No way God would be insulted. Greater is he that is in us. Not We're not greater. He is greater. Yes, He's yes, greater yes, than our yes, circumstances. Yes, He's yes. greater than our challenges. He's greater than our illnesses. He's greater than our problems. He's greater than our finances. He's greater than our neighbors and our employers. God is great. And he will give us the victory. Hold your head up high. Right now, you hold your head up high. You belong to the king. You are an ambassador for the king. You represent the master of the universe. That's who we are. Not for bragging purposes, but for purposes of confidence and strength and trust and endurance and perseverance. That's why we hold our head up. I shared with you guys last week one of my favorite prayers in the Bible, and that is the prayer of King Josephat in 2 Chronicles 20, when he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love that prayer. I won't spend time because we're just doing the review right now. I won't spend time rereading it, but you should check out 2 Chronicles 20. That prayer will knock your socks off. That prayer is just a prayer and don't, don't quit early. Wait till you get the answer towards the end of the chapter. Don't, don't, don't cut it short. <laughs> don't, miss, don't miss out on the best part. That's when God responds and does his thing. That prayer is that's amazing. It is amazing. Okay, real, really quickly today, let me just wrap this up as we cover and complete the, uh, the Church of Philadelphia, the church that means love of the brethren and uh verse verse eight is where i left off i'm gonna start at verse nine sister mary favors read this verse earlier today and i said hey we're gonna get into that this morning let me just uh give you a few things and i'll let you go you guys are, are a great audience i thank everybody for i thank everybody for connecting with us this morning and um i i'm always excited about sundays even the virtual services. Yes, yes, I'd much rather be at BBC. I'd much rather be at 20750 Arbor Avenue, worshiping God in the building with the saints. But uh, we will, we will, or will in April, we will. But for now, but for now, we will do this and we will pray that everyone uh, gets healthy, stays healthy, remains healthy through the balance of this pandemic and that when we do regather the first Sunday of April, that we'll just come in with a song and a shout and we will just rejoice that God has kept us, that we have gotten over and that he has brought us back, brought us back and has brought us into his presence where we can worship together, corporate worship and fellowship and praise him and worship him in spirit and in truth. But in the meantime, check out, Revelation chapter three, 
verse 9, it says, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. The Lord says he'll make our enemies our footstool. Allow us to prevail and be victorious in all things. We have those promises in his word, saints. Listen, listen to what verse 10 says. It says, because you have kept my word, the word of my uh, perseverance. I'll read that again. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I, I believe that is a direct reference, in my humble opinion, to the fact that the Lord is going to rapture the church out of the world prior to the tribulation period, certainly prior to the judgment, which is the battle of Armageddon, that time of destruction and distress upon the whole earth. And there are several passages that would suggest the veracity of that position. Number one is this one right here in Revelation chapter three, verse 10, but also first Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine says, for God have not appointed us to wrath. Are you all still with me? All right. You know, the, the thing about doing the Zoom meetings is that most of the areas I'm looking at is black and white. And I see, I see some names and mostly phone numbers. Then I see some photos. Um, you know, I've been doing this now for almost two years, and I'm still just not used to talking to a camera and a mic. I don't know how tele-evangelists do it. I'm sorry. I, 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 need, I need feedback. <laughs> I need a live audience. Not a live audience for the, not for the amens or the accolades or the even, you know, even people agreeing. But a teacher, and I, I'm at, at heart, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, you know. As much as I love to play, and as much as I love to, to study, at the end of the day, I love teaching. I love sharing. And the thing about a teacher is that a teacher looks into the face of his or her students and, and they, get this, they get this instant feedback. It, it's, it's just tough to describe, but it's, all of you that are teachers out there understand what I'm saying. There's just something about that connection between student and teacher and and it and it allows you to understand more about connecting how is that how's that getting through am i am i am i connecting am i read is this registering do i need to focus a little more here a little more there it's that haptic feedback it's that instant assessment that helps you direct how you're moving along in your lesson. So I kind of miss that because I don't see a lot of faces. I, I, I hope you guys are out there listening. I hope mics are on or speakers are on where there are just names. But I pray that you're getting the word, not because it's coming from me. I pray that you're getting the word on Wednesday when Brother Coach is teaching it. I pray that you're getting the word on the second Saturday when Sister Maria is teaching it. I pray that you're getting the word in your personal devotions when you're just alone with yourself. Amen. 
that's the important thing. I mean, yeah, I have some quibbles with, with this electronic interface, but it is what it is. And I'm just glad that you're listening. I'm glad that you're there. But boy, seeing your faces would be so much greater. And uh, seeing your faces on screen would be greater, but even greater than that would be seeing your faces in person. But that day will come, Lord willing. So back to my point that I feel that the church, in my humble opinion, is raptured somewhere between Revelation chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 5. I think the church is taken out of here. I do not think the church is present at all beyond chapter 3. Now, chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation really talk about things that are going on in heaven. It's really some behind-the-scenes things, and we really get into the core of the tribulation period starting in Revelation chapter 6, chapter 6 through 18. That's really where we discuss primarily the latter three and a half years of the tribulation period. But I feel like the church is taken out for several reasons. Number one, the church is not mentioned. The church is not mentioned at all. Do it. Do a Google search. Do a, a Strong's Concordance search. The church is not mentioned between chapters 4 and 18 in the book of Revelation. Even if you wanted to take a post-millennial, pre-millennial, or, or, or mid-millennial position on the uh, return of the Lord and the rapture, you can take other positions, but you still can't find that the church is present in those chapters in Revelation. Here's number two. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, For God have not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our, our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not going to be the objects of wrath according to this passage. God has, pre, has preserved us from what is to come in the great tribulation. Not all tribulation. That could be where some of the confusion is. Yes, there is some tribulation and even martyrdom that these saints back here in Revelation chapters two and three, as well as saints throughout history, including today, are enduring. Read the magazine or check out the website for the Voice of the Martyrs. Check out the website for Samaritan's Purse. Check out some of the missionary websites that talk about what's going on with Christians around the world, especially in hostile territories like uh, Muslim countries and countries that are heavily communistic. The Christians are really taking a beating and some are being martyred. So tribulation will always be among us. But the great tribulation, the great tribulation mentioned in the book of Daniel, mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38, mentioned in Revelation 4 through 18, that period of, that period of time, especially Revelation 6 through 18, that period of time, I believe the church is exempted from that because we will have been taken up caught away in what we refer to as the rapture. And that's also restated in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That word is raptured. That word is, uh, the uh, Greek word is the, the same word in English for snatched away, caught up, snatched out with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. These words should be words of comfort. That's why I said the book of Revelation should be about repentance and rejoicing. We should repent for sin and rejoice that God has saved us and brought us into this great salvation, this great abundance, this overflowing kindness of his goodness, saving us 
as believers. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 52, which we read at a lot of homegoing services. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We're getting our glorified bodies. Woo! Yeah. And shall be changed. There's other passages that talks about that glorified body. You may be suffering, saints, and having issues in your body. There may be aches and pains and bruises and COVID-19 viruses and all other kind of garbage. But there is a day coming. There is a time coming when these bodies will be incorruptible. The second law of thermodynamics will have no impact on these bodies. We will not be in a constant state of degradation. We will not be in a constant state of, de of demise. Amen? Mm. Are y'all looking forward to that? Mm, y'all yes, looking forward to that? I know I am. Yes, Lord. Every day I feel an ache or a grunt or a groan or a pain. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> But the Bible tells us in John 14, 1, that let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, 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 many mansions. I know that almost seems like a cliche these days when you hear John 14, because we've been hearing this forever. But it doesn't make doesn't make it any less true, right? That's right. That's right? As Pastor Meek used to so marvelously say, just because a person doesn't believe in hell doesn't change the temperature of hell one degree Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's still a reality. Here's how John wraps this chapter up, uh, this portion of the chapter anyway. In verse 11, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. So we're getting a new name. We don't even know what the name is going to be. We don't know how the name is going to work. But I, when I think of a new name, I think of a new identity. When I think of a new name, I think of a new nature. When I think of a new name, I think of a new home. When I think of a new name, I think of a new existence. Don't let this world, listen, listen, I'm, 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 I'm just about at the end of the sermon. Let me just say this. I know a lot is going on with Russia and Ukraine and Kiev. I know things may be starting to evolve over in China and Taiwan. Listen, let me say this to you. Don't be overwhelmed with current events and what's going on in the world. Don't let it become a source of distraction to you. Not even what's going on in our country. We're in the midst of Black History Month, social injustices, social discriminations, uh, the, the kind of things that we deal with on a daily basis, on the job, at school, 
<clears throat> excuse me, uh, in the marketplace, in the neighborhood. Listen, the enemy wants to distract us. He wants us to take our eyes off the prize. He wants us to become focused on stuff that has no eternal value. It has no eternal consequences. He wants to get us off of what God knows is best for us. So the devil wants us to get us enthralled in day-to-day -day minutia, eking out a living, dealing with this and that, left and right, up and down. Don't become so enthralled in life that you forget that this is temporary, that we are here for a moment, that we are here temporarily, that this is not our home, that we are in fact pilgrims. We are transient. This is not how the story ends. This is not the end of the book. God has something else planned. Life doesn't end in the cemetery. God is doing something. He is working in us. In us is that abundant life that John talks about in John chapter 10, verse 10. That Zoe is the Greek word, Z-O-E, abundant life. I came that you might have life. I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And at the beginning of that verse, it says that the enemy, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And might I add, he comes to also to distract and to deny and to put us down and to demoralize and to depress. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that that old enemy, Satan, the devil, that he accuses us before the father day and night. He is an accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to do to us what he did to Job. Pick a fight. Find something to grumble about. Find some way to, to disassociate us from God, to distract us. It's not old news. It's not something new, rather. Because Satan tried that in Genesis chapter 3 at the very beginning with his attack against Adam and Eve in the garden. Hath God said, hath God said, that's to sow seeds of doubt and discord to get us to not focus on what God's word has said, but to get us to focus on something that seems more immediate. In closing, three things I want to leave you with about this great church at Philadelphia. I hope you're taking notes. This church of brotherly love. The, the Greek for Philadelphia means love of the brethren. Three things they were known for. Number one, in closing, write this down. They were known for being faithful. It says, I know your deeds. You have a track record. You have a consistency. You, you have a, a mind of perseverance, of answering the bell, of getting knocked down, but getting back up. Like a tree planted by the water, the winds and the waves will blow and they will splash and the tree will bend. I'm thinking of a palm tree now, but boy, it just comes back up. David wrote that we're like a tree planted by the water. 
I know I harp, I know I harp a lot on faithfulness. But as you can see, I do so with good reason. This is only one of two churches in all of Revelation 2 and 3 that received no condemnation. Only this church in Smyrna received all commendations. And there's a reason faithfulness is important. Matthew 25 talks about the landowner that gave his servants one talent, two talents, and five talents. And he told them to invest them, to turn a profit, to bring in proceeds. Five talents. And the guy with two talents got the same reward. They both received 100% return on their investment. Because the Lord said to both of them precisely, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. We may be like that church in Philadelphia where we may be little in numbers and little in resources, but we can be great in faithfulness. You can be faithful. You can be consistent. You can persevere. You can live holy. You can be sanctified. That's what separates the men and the boys, so to speak. That's what separates the winners and the losers. That's what separates those who survive and those who just thrive. It's, it's that attitude, that attitude of faithfulness, of consistency, of answering the bell again and again and again and again. I know people, people in church these days, especially certain ministries, they're always emphasizing, you know, those that are anointed, you know, you're anointed, I'm anointed. They got anointed gift. They got anointed talent. They got anointed this. Listen, if you're a believer, you're already anointed. We need to get educated on these terms and quit tossing around this Christian church, church vocabulary like it's biblical. It's, it's not, it's just man-made. And, it, and, and I, hate, I hate the idea of talking about this person being more anointed than that person and this person having this special anointing or that special anointing or this gift or this talent. That's not what God is looking for. He did not say in Matthew 25, well done, my good and talented, my good and gifted my good and capable, my good person with all these abilities. He says good and faithful, faithful. He talks about you've been faithful over a little. Not that you were so talented or had so much ability. When you, it's unfortunate that the word talent is used there in Matthew 25 because it makes people think 
that people that are endowed with certain gifts and talents and abilities are better than the rest. That's not the case. God does not evaluate us based on talents and gifts and abilities. By the way, the word talent there in Matthew 25, and when it's used there as being something that is distributed, those are opportunities. Those are opportunities to serve, not abilities. The best ability is availability. The best talent, the best gift, the best calling is being used by God, serving God in whatever capacity he has given you and whatever opportunity he has exposed you to using your abilities that God has given you, your availability, might I add. That is what God is looking for. Please know that. I am so sick and tired of hearing about this anointed and that anointed. It's something else to divide us. All of us are important to God. All of us that have his spirit in us are equal, equally loved, equally energized, equally empowered, equally equipped to serve the body in whatever role it's in. God is calling for faithfulness, consistency, endurance, perseverance, people that are willing to run a marathon, not a sprint. That's what God wants. Just hang in there till the end. Make it to the finish line. As Dr. Dobson said to his son, and I alluded to this quote earlier this morning, let's just be there. When it's time for heaven, be there. When it's time for God to hand out his rewards, be there. We're all anointed. Don't be fooled by talents and gifts and abilities. Be in love. Be effectual. Be, be over, overtaken with faithfulness. I love 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Everyone that has the Holy Spirit. Or if you want to go old school, all of us that have the Holy Ghost is anointed. The Holy Ghost is the anointing. The Holy Ghost is the power. The Holy Ghost is the guarantee. The Holy Ghost is the, 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 the one inside of us that leads and guides us to all truth. The Holy Ghost is the anointing. We need to learn to be faithful, faithful to God, faithful to his calling, Faithful to his work. Faithful to his word. Amen. That's what differentiates you. That's what distinguishes us. Faithfulness. Consistency. Being there. Being on our post. On our job. Being there for others. Being there for our loved ones. And, and as being there as a light. 
being there as a light in our community. As I said about this church of Philadelphia, they were small in numbers and they were small in economics, but they were great in influence. Matter of fact, that's the second point that was good about them. Number one was their faithfulness. Number two, it says that not you have not denied my name. You've been influential. I love what Luke chapter 9 says in verse 25 and 26. It says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Remember that? But the next verse after verse 26 says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when, it comes to, when he comes into his glory and he will be ashamed before his Father. If you're ashamed of the Lord, if you are not letting your light shine, not letting your salt season, not letting your presence be known so that people can see the love of God in you so that you are an influencer, a mover, a shaker, transformative, then you're not doing God's will. That's not, you're not getting God's best across. We are to influence he says if, if a salt that, salt that loses its seasoning, it savors light that's a candle hidden under a bush, it does no good. Cast it out. The salt should be trodden under the feet of men, Jesus said. And finally, the other third attribute of the Church of Philadelphia to repeat faithfulness, influential, faithful and influential, and they were also obedient. The Bible says that you had, the Bible says here in, in, in verse 12 of Revelation 3 that you have kept my word. You've kept, you've kept my word. Actually, actually not, not that verse. It's actually verse, um, it's actually verse, yeah, verse 8. Going back to verse 8. Thank you, Sister Marie. Verse 8. You have kept my word. Because you have a little power and kept my word and have not denied my name. That's what this church was known for. Faithfulness, influential, and obedience. Boy, oh boy, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? I love what Job said. I believe it's, it's in Job 23. He says that I have desired your word more than my necessary food. I've desired your word. He says, I, 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 he says, I've not departed. Uh, one translation said, I've not departed from the command of his lips, but I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Wow. That's, that's Job. That's Job. Chapter 23, verse 12. That's, that's what a great place to end. I can't top that. I can't say anything that to me is more profound than what Job just said in Job 23, 12. May that be our model. Right up there with Acts 17, 11. <laughs> uh, the Monday morning moment is when we are faithful over little things, God gives us success with bigger things. I'll repeat the Monday morning moment. I'm taking that from Matthew 25, 23, which I've alluded to earlier. But the Monday morning moment says when we are faithful over little things, God gives us success with bigger things. What a mighty God we serve. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this message. May it change our lives. May it infiltrate our thinking so that it transforms us, that we would be like you.
that we would act like you, think like you, and talk like you. Lord, we ask in this service that you are glorified today, not just in our service, but beyond our service throughout our day, throughout our week, that you would be glorified. That means that we will bring glory to you in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. And Lord, that your people would be edified, strengthened, encouraged, fortified with faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.